I wonder how many of you have got a Bible app on your mobile device. Give, give us a wave if that's the, the case, okay? Hand, hands down. Uh, if it's this particular one, you version, yeah. give us a wave. It's the cheapest because it's free, and it's really, really good, and you can get several different translations on there. One of the interesting things of having a, a Bible app, which has got thousands and thousands of people around the world using it, is that they can do research, and they know what you've been reading in your Bible. And they've worked out for 2019 what was the most searched for verse. What was the most looked for verse in the whole of the Bible that people went for in 2019? And it's really interesting. I don't know whether you would have guessed this at all, but the most popular Bible verse in 2019, according to YouVersion and all of its algorithms and whatever they use to find out information, says this, do not worry. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Philippians 4 <coughs> verse 6. Do not worry. That was the most popular, most sought after, most looked for verse in the whole of the Bible through you version in 2019. And, and research goes on further because apparently those who, like myself, would self-identify as white evangelicals worry about the following things. 75% of us worry about undergoing a personal health crisis. 67% of us worry about being able to pay our bills. 72% of us worry about being the victim of a home invasion or terrorist attack, 66%. And for other groups in society, including black evangelicals, Roman Catholic, and nuns, that is, no Christian affiliation, the scores are even higher. So worry is out there. And yet a popular sort of phrase or saying says this, do not worry, it may never happen. And another statistic tells us that 85% of the time, the things we worry about never happen. It's interesting. Raises the question, why do we do it? And, and popular culture tries to encourage us not to uh, worry. Uh, last uh, year, Ruth and I found ourselves in a very interesting uh, cinema where they still sing the national anthem and they serve cups or mugs of tea in China uh, mugs somewhere in a Lancashire village. And we saw the film, uh, The Lion King, the latest version. Uh, and there's some popular words from the, uh, the Lion King which go like this, Hakuna Matata, it means no worries for the rest of your days. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. I don't know whether you go with that. It's a catchy tune. Very difficult. I find it very difficult since I first saw The Lion King, saw the stage show in London some years ago, to, to remember those words, Hakuna Matata, but I've got them on the picture, so I, I know what they are. I'm not getting uh, mixed up with saying the words. I, I don't know whether you think that is a good philosophy, whether it's a problem-free philosophy, just to say, don't worry, it'll be all right on the night. Don't worry. 
Be happy. And Jesus says, as Graham's reminded us, don't worry. I like what it says on the screen. Don't worry about everything around you. That's my job. Love Jesus. So don't do it. I can sit down now and we can have the benediction. We can have ministry time, whatever. Jesus gives the gracious invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The Apostle Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. The Apostle Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him. Evidently, whether we worry or not, it's a choice. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have told us not to do it. But you may say, it's my nature to worry. I get anxious. I'm on prescription medicine to control my anxiety. I'm fascinated that, John, you're looking at that topic uh, this evening and that it sort of dovetails with what we're doing this morning. I don't know whether God worked that out or whether you worked that out, that juxtaposition, but that's very, very interesting because here is something I feel I ought to say at the outset. If we're beset by anxiety, I do not believe Jesus is adding to your worries by telling you not to worry. I do not believe he's telling you to throw away your tablets if they've been medically prescribed. If your personality causes you to worry more than others, I do not believe that Jesus is having a go at you this morning. In fact, I do not believe that Jesus is having a go at all. He, however, is demonstrating why worrying, insofar as we have control, is illogical. And here in Jesus' words are four reasons why we should not worry The first one is this, don't worry because it undervalues life. The second we'll look at, don't worry because it's unproductive. The third one, don't worry because it's unworthy. And the fourth one, don't worry because it's unnecessary. Don't worry because it undervalues life. What's life? Jesus actually raised that question in what he said in those verses in in, in Matthew 6 when he said, life is more, or asked the question, is not life more than food and drink and clothes? A great Liverpool philosopher, John Lennon, said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. But Jesus puts a much higher premium on human life. Jesus says life is more than food and clothes. Worry undervalues human life. Life is more than physical things. Responding to Satan's temptation for Jesus to turn stones into bread, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus' objective for us is that we might have life in all of its fullness. So worry undervalues if we worry about little things or Perhaps we see them as big things, like what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear. If we worry about these things, and life is so much bigger than that, then we undervalue or shortchange human life. Somebody said, worry is an expensive way of choosing self as your master. And that's highly appropriate because if we look into our Bible passage at Matthew 6, 24, the first word that Harvey read was, Therefore, he's checking. Yeah, it was therefore. And therefore, there's like something back there. We ask the question, what is therefore? What is it therefore? And the previous verse says, no one can serve two masters, 
to love one, you have to hate the other. And, and there's a little freebie there. Sitting on the fence is not possible for long. But uh, is, is worrying actually making a choice to follow self and our interests rather than God and His interests? Worry. Worry is unproductive. Don't worry. It's unproductive. Now, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's the words that Jesus speaks or recorded as Jesus saying in one of the other Gospels. Can anybody, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Actually, worry is more likely to shorten your life rather than to lengthen your life or to your height. I, I don't know, those of you who have kids or have had kids, have you, have you ever had this problem at a fun fair or a theme park where your kids are desperate to go on one of the rides and they have to stand beside the scale there and stand on tippy toes and try and persuade the ride supervisor that they can get on this ride because you need to be there. It says 42 inches to get on this particular ride. And, and no amount of standing on tippy toes, no amount of jumping up and down can actually make you taller. I had an auntie who, who lived in Yorkshire, so she was pretty straightforward. She told me that you could become taller by putting dog muck in your shoes, but I never, ever tried it, and I don't recommend that to anybody uh, at all. I used a very polite word there, you noticed that. But, uh, <laughs> so the question is, is there any point in worrying about the things you cannot control? Worry. <laughs> undervalues life, worry is unproductive, uh, and actually, worry can be counterproductive. Now, this uh, set of words only really works if you come from Lancashire, Arlene. Let's see what's happening. Hurry, worry, bury. Bury, bury to most of us, but Bury is a town in uh, Lancashire which is famous for black puddings, thank you. I thought it was black puddings and not trotters, but I think it's black puddings. So hurry, worry, bury. The suggestion is if, if you're sort of running your life at breakneck speed and you're worrying a lot, then you're hastening the day when you will be buried. Buried, sorry. Okay. Hurry, worry, bury. Somebody has said this, and uh, I, I tried to get my head around this one over the years. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get anywhere. <laughs> Don't let that stop you going on rocking chairs because rocking chairs are quite nice and all of that sort of thing. Worry is bad for your health. Look at this lady here with her beautiful auburn, beautiful auburn hair. Anybody tell me who the lady is there? Anybody like to hazard a guess? You're all concentrating here. Graham! Well, there was an old alliance between Scotland and France, so it's quite right that Graham should know that that is Marie Antoinette. And Marie Antoinette was famed for her auburn hair, but the night before she had a date with Madame Guillotine, in her cell, her hair went completely white overnight. And there's a syndrome called Antoinette Syndrome, and some information in Nature Journal, even last week, suggesting that what happens, pigment-inducing cells in the hair follicles are damaged by stress, leading to premature aging, evidenced by colored hair turning white. 
Mind you, I guess if I were sitting in the condemned cell with a next-day date with the guillotine, I might justifiably be a little worried. I couldn't lose my hair, and my hair went white a long, long time ago. But uh, hey. Now, here's an interesting phenomenon. Worry leads to more worry. Bob Marley used to sing, don't worry, be happy. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Yes, but he, he wrote it. Bob Marley made it famous by singing it, okay? Look up Wikipedia. It can't be wrong, okay? There you go. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. I do like hecklers. The reggae beat of the song conjures up a happy-go-lucky attitude. But, but it strikes me, there's a question that it would be good for all of us to consider, and that is, is there a difference between being carefree and careless? It actually all depends where you put the emphasis in each of those words and thinks things through. But don't, don't worry. Don't worry because it's unworthy. Worry suggests that human beings are simply physiological mechanisms that need to be protected, to be lubricated, and fueled. And yet, as Richard reminded us last week in his talk, each human being is made in the image of God. We are more sophisticated, we are more special than we sometimes realize. <laughs> Many of us have a tendency to worry about what others think of us. But you are a child of God and it's his opinion that counts. I maybe shared this poem with you before, or possibly you know it. It comes under the genre of doggerel. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and that's actually quite profound, very profound. Who knows the name John Stott? Anybody here know the name John Stott? John Stott was one of the best-known evangelical teachers of the 20th century. John Stott, great man, but in his spare time, not but, in his spare time he was an ornithologist. He liked to go bird-watching. Tongue-in-cheek, he claimed that this was the hobby commended by Jesus. Consider the birds of the air. Look at the birds! Free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. So if you're not an ornithologist this morning, according to Stott, you are disobedient. Because Jesus says your number one hobby should be bird-watching. But he also commends botany. See the flowers of the field. See how they grow. In my early years at secondary school, I took up bird watching. Then I went to university in Edinburgh and studied ecological science, and my interest in plants developed. And in the last 10 years, more particularly since I retired, my interest in both birds and plants have been rekindled through photography. But Jesus says, the birds and the flowers are a visual aid to persuade you that you do not need to worry. Ray Gill, preaching very effectively on this passage in the autumn, produced some startling statistics. I just avoided saying worrying statistics. <laughs> there were startling statistics on the decline of various bird species over recent years. Actually, those are embarrassing statistics. 
that our stewardship of the planet hasn't been as good as God would want it to be. Was Ray contradicting Jesus? I don't believe so. He was indicating the mess we make of humans of fulfilling our responsibility to steward creation. God provides for the birds. God dresses the transient flowers of the field more grandly than the Old Testament King Solomon, who was an even more extravagant and showy dresser than any fashion model or even than Graham Clark. (laughs) And Jesus says, if God can clothe the flowers of the field more extravagantly than Solomon in all his glory... Don't you think, as your loving heavenly Father, He can be trusted to look after you, for you are more valuable than birds and flowers. The aeroplane went through some rough weather. Passengers were getting anxious as the plane bumped up and down. A little girl traveling alone remained perfectly calm. How come you're so calm, somebody asked her. Because my father is the pilot, she said. Whatever bumpy experiences you go through in life, our heavenly father is at the controls and can be trusted. Isn't that fantastic? Worry is unnecessary. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. That sounds reckless. Although Jesus, I don't think, is forbidding looking ahead planning ahead. He's not anti-planning. For the first 11 years of my professional life, I was a town planner. I do not believe I stepped out of the will of God by working in such a capacity. In the context of church and Christian organizations, I've been on planning committees which have worked for years in the planning of major events. They simply wouldn't have happened if we hadn't planned ahead. Jesus is not encouraging laziness. Jesus is not encouraging ad hocery. He's not saying, don't bother putting any effort into life, just wing it. It will be all right on the night. Actually, the Bible commends hard work and suggests that if you won't work, you don't deserve to eat. You cannot cherry-pick the Word of God. You have to take a wide view of Scripture as Scripture interprets Scripture. No, what I think Jesus warns against is anxious thought or distraction. Many of us know the story. Jesus visits the home of His close friends, Martha and Mary in Bethany. Mary sits at His feet and soaks in everything He has to say while Martha, her sister, is getting the meal ready. That would have been fine if she hadn't complained to Jesus about her sister. Tell her to help me. And Jesus lovingly rebukes her. You are distracted about many things. Stop worrying. Spend time with me. This caused me to think about big meetings at which an offering has been taken. And a group of guys, it's usually guys, disappear with the money to count it while the guest speaker is delivering his talk. Why? So they can announce it at the end of the meeting. Our offering tonight was so much. Do we really need to know in the middle of the response time, would you please come forward and trust in Jesus? Oh, just a minute. Oh, the offering tonight was 2,500 (laughs) pounds. Crazy, crazy. Perhaps there's been a special meeting or an after-dinner speaker and a group of people play the martyr, or we could say the martyr by going to clear up instead of listening to the speaker. Actually, chill. Don't worry. 
Obsessional worry is incompatible with both Christian faith and common sense. An obsession with possession enslaves us to the demon of worry. Amassing things distracts us from the kingdom. And, and Jesus says, for the pagans run after all these things. Who was Jesus referring to? Not pagans as we might use the word today, simply those who have not yet decided to follow Jesus. The message paraphrase of the Bible expresses the word pagans as people who don't know God. Do not follow the trends of society or fashion. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. We're called to be different. And I might add, don't jump on the trend mill. Worries are most often just monsters that you build in your own mind. Winston Churchill said, when I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. <laughs> so God's a waymaker. He's our great provider. When we don't have a way to pay a bill or to provide for ourselves, God is always a step ahead of us, creating a way, and many here could testify to that over the years, and some of the hardest times in their lives have been the times when God has showed up and provided and been there and been most real. Now, Jesus is actually quite a good guy. <laughs> Because Jesus doesn't say, don't worry, and then leave us to think what we need to do about it. Jesus provides an antidote to worry as well. Here's the antidote to, what was that one? The number one antidote to worry and stress. Jesus urges us to place our priorities on the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. In other words, make Jesus king over whatever causes us to worry. The result of seeking his kingdom first is that the bare necessities of life will come to you. In effect, yes, God can be trusted to look after you. And here's a byproduct of putting the kingdom first, putting Jesus first. All these things, all other things will be yours as well. Everything else will fall into the proper place. Don't pursue possessions. Pursue the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. What you absolutely need, but many can testify more as well. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you remember that old song, one day at a time, sweet Jesus? One day at a time, that's how we're to live our Christian life one day at a time, trusting in Him. What are you pursuing today? What are you pursuing? If you seek the kingdom, it's Jesus first. It's yourself last and others in between. That spells joy. Many people are seeking joy and seeking happiness, but we find joy and happiness as a byproduct when we put Jesus first, yourself last and others in between. You can sing about that to the tune of Jingle, Bell, Jingle Bells, but we won't do that right now. <laughs> I saw these words from uh, Rick Warren on uh, Facebook last week, 
And this is where I'm going to finish today. Because this puts everything into perspective about seeking first the kingdom, about not worrying about stuff unnecessarily, about not worrying about stuff and actually making stuff worse, about not worrying about stuff and undervaluing human life and all that God wants to provide for us. Here's what Rick said. Before God speaks, decide to say yes. Before God speaks, decide to say yes. That's seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness. That's the antidote to worry. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the wisdom that comes from Your Word. Thank You so much for the wisdom that comes from Your Son, the Lord Jesus, in the words that He said. Thank You that His words are so practical. As we realize from the statistics shared this morning, that uh, worry is it's endemic. It's there. It's systemic. It's all throughout the human life and human existence, whatever country we live in, whatever our background, we are prone to worry. And yet Jesus says, don't. And here's what you do instead. Seek first the kingdom. Say yes to God before you even know what the assignment is. He's our heavenly Father. If He looks after birds and beasts and creepy crawlies and flowers and other plants and whatever, how much more is he going to look after you because you're made in his image, you're precious to him. Help us, Father, this morning, if we're worrying unnecessarily, to get rid of that worry, to put it where it should be, to hand it over to Jesus because he knows what to do with it. In fact, he's done what's necessary to deal with our worries and our cares and our burdens. Help us to do that as we ask this in his name this morning. Amen.